Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Event Brew. I feel like this is the exact same intro I use on all of our podcasts, but welcome back to another episode of Event Brew. Right now, you're listening to the voice of Will Kern from Endless Events, and I am joined by one of one, only one of my comrades. Yeah, this is Nick Borelli from uh, Borelli Strategies, and uh, I'm glad to hear the voice of Will uh, because <laughs> it's uh, it's soothing. Uh, it has a lot of energy, uh, and uh, so in the world of social distancing, hearing a friend's voice uh, is the pick-me-up I need. So thank oh, you. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Now Nick's just going to go back and listen to old episodes of Event Brew. Just I for, did today. For fun. Oh, I actually did today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, uh, our two comrades, Tui and Dustin, our, our usual co-hosts, are taking the week off, relaxing. So uh, we're going to give them a little bit of a vacation. But this news was too hot not to talk about, so we wanted to make sure we come in. But before we do that, what you got going on in your uh, cup slash can, Nick? It's going to be a can. It's going to be garbage. Uh, and that is Monster Energy Juice, uh, the Mango Loco. Now, here's the question. I'm going to look right now. What do you think? Do you think there's actual real juice in it? It's never had real juice. I thought this one does. It oh, it does. Oh, 16%, man. That's... <laughs> That's like high. That's, That's like, like basically a full cup of orange juice at that point. Mango juice. I think so. Like I think that the amount of juice in my juice drinks is probably the equivalent of how much alcohol percentage wise is in a beer. <laughs> uh, so that's not bad. I'd say like, it probably has more juice in it than Ocean Spray has in its juice. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Poten- potentially. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm curious to know, too. Like, I think eventually the fans of the show got to start like building out a spreadsheet of all the list of all the monster drinks and then sure. start build- playing like a bingo game of which monster energy drink are left and which yeah. one you're going to choose. Uh, that'd be, we'll call it a Nick's Drink Bingo um, for all the, the longtime listeners of the show. Yeah. I mean, I want everyone to know I'm embarrassed by what I drink. I mean, I, I don't I don't want you to think I'm not. I, I get it. Like, I'm on your side. It's terrible. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's what I need to get through, uh, you know, uh, days and days of uh, doing doing the big work and uh, and uh, making sure that I don't uh, fall asleep. <laughs> I'm going to definitely be taking a nap after this episode for sure. Um, yeah. Real quick. So I have the complete opposite. Um, sure. Well, I don't know the complete opposite. I actually I don't know half the stuff that's in this, but I'm drinking Oi Ocha cold brew matcha green tea. I like, I've been trying to look for like bottled drinks for, because I drink so many chai lattes and so much like hot tea that, uh, you know, it's summer here. So I've been looking for something cold. And I also just at the same time too, need something, something to drink and don't want to make brew tea. But this is apparently Japan's number one tea. If I'm saying it wrong, feel free to make fun of me in the, the socials. Um, but it says, we use authentic green or authentic Japanese cold brew Mizadashi recipe to bring out the soothing, soothest, 
most refreshing green tea. Steep finely for milled from our Japanese matcha in whole leaves in ice draws out cleaner flavor and natural mellow umami sweetness of the tea. Yeah, that's much more uh, exciting than my can <laughs> talks about uh, keeping the party going for days and un <laughs> unleashing the beast. My, mine's uh, like the opposite. Like I'm ready for like a, some uh, some meditation and some relaxation, and Nick's like ready to go hard. It says unleash <laughs> the beast on mine. So uh, I lo yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, well let's let's dive into today's topic because uh, it's very timely and I think very important. Um, but uh, I think did we did we cover it when it first got canceled in 2020, or it, we're talking about it in 2020? Let me see. I'm a, I have to look this up and see if this uh, if we talked about it at all. I don't know if we did. I, well, we did, we talked about uh, CES I think uh, earlier this year, uh, but in, in a different way. I think I think we talked about some of um, what. CES was doing. Oh, we were talking about like the tech and uh, the exciting tech coming out of it. Yeah, stuff. yeah, because this uh, CES 2020 was pre-US uh, COVID reaction. Uh, so uh, it was, I remember around that time there were um, like a month, not even a month later, two weeks later was uh, New York Toy Fair, which is a pretty significant show at Javits Center. And uh, I remember that that show, like, it was kind of like, like, ooh, because a section of uh, of it dedicated to toys and manufacturing from China was absent. And they were like, man, this whole section is gone. That's crazy. You know, like, what crazy. a big deal. Meanwhile, like, uh, yeah, it, things, things <laughs> we, got crazy. Would know it, what would happen? Now it's going to be like all the American products everywhere yeah. are going to be missing. Yeah, now the all Chinese the stuff is fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, actually, I look back on it. We talked about CES in the context of the Westworld activation that happened. Oh, yeah, there. that's exactly and, right. Yeah, I completely forget that happened at CES because I keep just telling people that happened at, like, South by Southwest or something. There, there's um, been a lot of uh, significant South by Southwest uh, activations with Westworld. Like two two years in a row, they had yeah, some really years. good ones. Yeah. And then unfortunately, South by Southwest didn't happen in 2020. So, nope. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're, what we're talking about today is uh, CES announced this week that they are not hosting an in-person experience in 2021. That effectively CES 2021 is canceled, but instead will be turned into a fully virtual event, a fully digital experience. So I think this is the first major event in 2021 to announce this. Would you uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, this is the, the, the biggest Q1 2021 uh, event that has uh, come out and said that. Uh, and it, it really, uh, especially because of all of the media attention that CES gets, I mean, this week was... Uh, San Diego Comic-Con and they pivoted to this concept of Comic-Con at home uh, and I think that like when it comes to like cultural permutation uh, both of those shows are, are pretty in their in their worlds uh, be it pop culture uh, and media and then for CES when it comes to technology they're kind of equivalent shows um, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're B2C with a B2B you know obviously element to it uh, but they, they have this kind of cultural permutation, which we talked about um, in an episode about what we were looking for as far as significant events uh, that would uh, be tipping points to change the public's uh, opinion about uh, live events. And I, I believe that, uh, you know, a San Diego Comic-Con and a CES, like these are the types of events that um, are, are strong uh, for both the business communities 
uh, certainly in their industries, but just in, at large and also uh, population at large. Uh, these are the kind of events that if they go to face to face, if they were to have, they would uh, significantly move, change the direction uh, of the tide as they have not uh, made that decision, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying anything one way or the other, you know, like they, they make, you know, it made sense for them as they didn't. Uh, then I think that the uh, this, the way we've been going will be continuing the way we we will be going. And I think that there's going to be a lot of Q1 shows that take this mm-hmm. as their canary in the mine shaft and say you know so anyone who had optimism about uh us q1 um you know with significant size shows it just it just died with ces 2021 yeah yeah Yeah, i I, i'm oh go ahead go ahead yeah again no judgment you know honestly like uh oftentimes i i i I would assume that if i was in their position i would make the same call uh i would assume you know like that so I, i and and we'll get into you know both of us as far as our uh, feelings about CES as a show uh, and like our relation to it, if any, and uh, that. But, um, you know, I get it. And it's just we're looking for optimism and uh, optimism, not even the right word. You know, like it, it duty of glimmer, care. We talked glim- about that. glimmer. Yeah. We want things to be better, uh, but we want things to be better on the right terms. And, yeah, you know, definitely. I think it's not ready yet, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely was I, I honestly like I can't even think like think that far in advance. I mean, I have clients that are planning events in 2021 and I'm like, like anyone who's like, yeah, let's plan for like a hybrid in-person experience. I'm like, I like I mean, just have a backup plan, like make sure you work with us on a backup plan. It's not even a backup plan yeah, at this like, point. Like it's parallel, I think like that. I yeah, don't. Yeah. I don't know how well, you more could... so it's like plan for virtual first and then, yeah. you know, like go yeah, virtual there, first, but, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I'm definitely there with you that like this was going to this is definitely going to I think shatter a lot of hopes for Q1 in America for 2021 events. Um, And yeah, it's definitely I mean, very, very interesting. Um, I think it's also very cool to see that they're doing this also, though, so in advanced because they could have easily said we're going to hold out as long as we can. We'll wait till like November and decide. Right. But they said, no, we're going to go all digital. So them doing that, though, too, allows people to know like, hey, this is going to be standard. This is okay. Like get used to it. And I think that what that's going to do, too, is like give people more confidence in knowing that virtual experiences are not a uh, flash trend or fast fashion when it comes to events, but the, it's definitely something here to stay. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I ultimately have been, I've been talking about the era of events that we're in. Uh, I, I think if we were to name the era of anything, I and mean, we can call it a COVID era, I guess, but that's a little grim. Um, and also it doesn't really speak to, um, the reality of the events portion of what's unique to events. I've been calling it the pivot era mostly because um, it, you know, it, it is a cliche. It's overused term now, right? So I think it'll stick when you look back at it, right? Because we'll be like, we said pivot so much back then. Uh, but also, I think it's because it was a change that was forced to happen um, last minute. And it was the idea of taking plans that you already had and shifting it into whatever you can do. And I think CES might be the first example of a significant event that is going to be designed, uh, from the beginning, uh, as a virtual event. Like I, I obviously Mm -hmm. this has a lot of history as a, as a face-to-face event. Uh, but I, I think that there's going to be enough, uh, time, um, to do this the right way, which is designing the event, not just planning the event. 
Yeah. I think it will be interesting, too, because, I mean, like, this is a good audience for it, too. I think we talked about this maybe at some point, but, like, all these tech-related audiences are such no-brainer. You got a tech-savvy audience. They're totally willing to go virtual. They'll embrace it, right? Um, one interesting thing, I think, for this, though, will be to see what comes out of it is that if it goes fully digital – a lot of CES events are the the press announcements and like sub events that happen at it, right? Like Samsung doing yeah. an event where they're going to announce their new phone, and it's not necessarily on the CES floor, but it's maybe in one of the adjoining hotels, right? Like Samsung now doesn't need to necessarily tie into CES, so it's going to be very interesting to see how like CES ties itself into those parallel events that were supposed to happen that week that all those announcements were supposed to happen in Q1, and how are they going to you know make it so is there like going to be like oh Samsung's virtual event brought to you by CES and CES going to like put a stamp of approval or that are they going to share and take who knows but I think this will be also a really great case study to say like how does a very large trade show pull off the virtual experience yeah so I think that like the the first example and I the thing I was paying attention to the most this week with San Diego Comic-Con was uh who is a traditional exhibitor and sponsor of San Diego Comic-Con who decides to embrace the Comic-Con at home and be part of Comic-Con and who decides to uh, basically put up their own virtual tent and do it themselves. Like didn't uh, DC decide to do their own thing? Instead? Yes. And uh, Adult Swim is going to do Adult Swim Con. And if, uh, well, you've been to San Diego Comic-Con, you, you've yeah, seen yeah. like their physical footprint for uh, Adult Swim is it's a really significant uh, installation. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so, so I'm seeing yeah, these like, yeah, definitely. That that's kind of the the thing I'm thinking about for CES. Like, do people that week? Because I, I, how familiar are you with the with the the concept of of outboarding when it comes to events? I, I don't that. think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard that term in it. Can you kind of explain? Yeah. So the idea is is that you would produce an event uh, in the same city um, that would. Oh yeah, like a parallel. Like yeah, you you take advantage of like a, a crowd like that's there. Attendee attendee hijacking. Essentially. Yeah. Yes. Exactly that. And uh, the big events, like they have they they have a significant investment in their events and and with the community, uh, and they see that as you know a real flagrant thing. Uh, and uh, I can tell you that CES is one of those events. Uh, so uh, to give you some uh, perspective, uh, I worked for uh, a trade show company called Showstoppers, which produced uh, consumer electronics uh, trade shows in parallel with um, the uh, largest uh, consumer electronics shows in the world, um, but uh, authorized. So what we would do is we would do uh, a trade show the day before, but the caveat was, is the attendees who were invited were vetted journalists only. So the exhibitors who chose to exhibit with showstoppers, they, they had the opportunity uh, to uh, see about four or five hundred, um, what do you call it, journalists exclusively for uh, like four or five hour period of time. Uh, and then they would file all their stories then as to not have to have the journalists fight through the crowds of CES. So we did that at CES, uh, Computech in Taipei. Uh, IFA Berlin, uh, we uh, IFA China, and Mobile World Congress and uh, Barcelona, and uh, these shows are very analogous to each other. Like they're they're mm -hmm. very similar uh, shows. They're they just kind of take advantage of the geographic region that they're in. Um, but what's what's interesting about it is is that uh, there is significant pressure on organizations that produce events in, let's say, Vegas during that week. In fact, the most extreme version of that uh, is uh, New York Fashion Week. So I don't know if you know this, uh, but in New York Fashion Week, if you produce an event within 
uh, I, I want to I forget how many miles of like the no, no San Diego Comic Con's that way too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like if they I'm, will. Yeah, yeah. If you're within a certain mile, they have. Well, they they or, so San Diego Comic Con technically like owns the city of San Diego correct. for the whole time. Correct. So like if you like for example, so when we were used to do Funko's big party mm-hmm. every year, they had to get it approved by San Diego Comic Con. So yeah. when we actually moved from the smaller venue, we said, hey, go move to this bigger venue. They actually had to go to San Diego Comic Con to get the approval. And so then when they ended up getting the largest ballroom at the Hyatt, you know, it was a big deal because it was like, hey, you are the big, the biggest single event at San Diego Comic-Con other than maybe the like Call H. Um, but yeah, like it, it's crazy how like these events, like how this model is going to end up happening from it. But like, the only one that I know that is a direct competitor that like doesn't care uh, about it is like there's an Android uh, event that takes place. Uh, during WWDC in uh, SF uh, around the same time, you know, so it takes advantage of the of the devs that are in town. Uh, mm-hmm. And because they're such Coke and Pepsi, because like they don't care, you know, like they're, they're clearly um, not, you know, there's no connective tissue. Uh, they, you know, like they just figure out a way to make it happen. But like uh, that's that's the case for these events, right? They protect their investment. Now, think about CES and the week of CES, like owning the like that week when it comes to announcements associated with, um, you know, consumer electronics. What do you do as a brand? Because uh, yeah. like if you're if you're CES, you can't regulate the Internet. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, what do you do when when the original thing reason purpose that like your event was so spread out was because of a physical location, everyone coming to a physical location. Now that that doesn't exist, right? The physical location is like coming to a single website. I mean, you have to make that website or that platform, that closed platform, really, really valuable. Yeah. And then you have to put so much more control in being able to provide that platform. So, but then when you're talking tech companies who understand how to kick up a website, do a live stream, who probably already have all this stuff on their own, why not do it? Like, it makes sense for, um, you know, the, um, you know, the, the uh, Olympics engineers, is one. the engineers conference, right? Like that, that, oh yeah. Like, or not like engineers, like devs, but I'm trying to think of a good one. Uh, let's see, like the towel conference, right? Where mm-hmm. everyone, no one's super tech savvy. They're like, Hey, if you can give me a platform, <laughs> I'll work the within towel. it and, yeah. and, and let's get to all the attendees. But if you're talking like someone like Samsung, what's Samsung's going to be like, we do live streams all the time. Like Sony, who why would we pay have- you? For uh, essentially, uh, you know, uh, like a troll style bridge tax uh, for announcements during this week when we could do that and when everyone's writing the stories about consumer electronics, you know, albeit because of your show, why would we do that? Now, you could argue that there is a high likelihood that that show will return and abusing the relationships that uh, exist within that. Uh, you know, with that, uh, when they have that same kind of pressure ability, you know, on face to face in the future, they wouldn't want to, you know, go against that in some way. Right. Like, uh, but but uh, but you can't uh, if this is the future, what's the future of this and being able to protect this stuff? And, and then from a design standpoint, if you if you are a significant show uh, in your industry and uh, you're doing a virtual show at that same time, like pay- people piggybacking off of the energy that you've put into it in order to take advantage of that hype and that and that, uh, you know, eyeballs, um, that's a significant threat to your brand because, you know, there um, y- you could build something that could just become this democratic, like open to the world thing that you, you don't have any control over and you've spent the money building it. It's it's so, an interesting so I gotta, thing. 
So I got an idea. And I'm, so, Nick, um, you obviously have history uh, with CES, but it's, mm -hmm. it's a free event to attend, if I remember correctly. I haven't actually gotten a chance to go to CES yet. Yeah, it, it um, actually does cost money to attend. Okay, um, it costs money. There's a B2B. Bucks, 200 bucks? I, I, uh... That I don't know because I've always okay. worked it, and it's we just got tickets. Okay, so I'm wondering too, like, okay, so if they're charging, that's already a good step. But, like, I'm wondering if, like, these product announcements that happen at trade shows, mm -hmm. like, especially CES, do you then attract Samsung and say, I'm going to pay Samsung to announce their product at CES and then flip it. So then, so then therefore, all the smaller vendors want to be there because they know the next big product's going to be announced, right? Whereas Samsung. I mean, I don't even know what level. I've, I I don't do trade shows at CES level um, a lot, but, like, I wonder how much that actually does happen. But I'm sure also, like, um, CES probably has a really good close relationship with Samsung, so I'm sure there's a co-partnership, like, thing, whatever that's happening. But I'm almost wondering if that's the model to happen. Like, it's like your tech announcement becomes the headliner and speaker yeah. for people to attend to your event, right? That's interesting. That would flip the script uh, from some of your biggest, uh, you know, money-making uh, partners would turn into uh, your draws, you know, your talent, so to speak. Uh, it, it'd have to be a significant enough threat for them to do their own thing. But um, I saw that in Comic-Con, man. Like I saw all these other people doing their own stuff. And I've seen all of these other shows, virtual shows that that are going to come out in the next month, uh, taking advantage of, you know, people just saying like, why would I pay you when I can just do this myself? Um, so, uh, you know, like I think that there's going to have to be some design secret sauce uh, that says that like this matters because this name is on it. Like this logo is worth something. There's a credibility here. Um, but when you think about like how large some of these organizations are and their capabilities and like you said, them being tech companies makes it even crazier. Um, yeah. What's the what's the reason for someone to you know invest in that um, brand? And I think that it's going to come down to probably a little bit more ROI uh, associated with, um, you know, the participation with these brands as opposed to just exposure uh, through their platform. You know, like just being able to say you were at CES probably won't be as valuable as uh, the idea of like some other intangible that they would be able to offer. Yeah, like and the actual leads driven, possibly pre-orders yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll in uh, and like they'll look for more matchmaking um uh, to, to have like a virtual hosted buyer style, um, uh, you know, operation where um, there will be some kind of virtual environment which would allow people to have because uh, there's a ton, a ton of meetings with significant buyers that happen at these things as well. So it's not just the yeah. public. There's a B2B element of it that is extremely strong. Uh, and that element uh, there is a possibility of having an infrastructure there that that a organization wouldn't want to deal with themselves to build. Uh, and I think an algorithmically uh, based matchmaking uh, uh, networking platform that would be virtual um, that would allow the right people to meet your sales team uh, in a virtual trade show environment would be something that, you know, I think one investment for everyone there uh, would make sense, whereas uh, individuals, you know, investing in that themselves would be more difficult. And plus the marketing dollars, um, you know, for everyone to do it themselves would be expensive as well. So from the press thing, if you're big enough draw, I think you can do your own show. Uh, when it comes to the business and leads generation part, like I, I have no idea. And that's why I'm, I'm really paying attention to uh, the next uh, like significant thing in this kind of realm for me. 
Um, I mean, I'm looking at like NAB and Infocom uh, also, but like, uh, but Infocom totally switched it up. Yeah, like, uh, but I'm also I'm really looking at um, what is done with anyone who has any kind of like lead generation stuff, because Mm -hmm. I think that like that has an opportunity to survive uh, and, you know, not just be hijacked. Well, it'll be interesting too to see with CES specifically too. Like one of the biggest things is about like all the small vendors who get a chance to show off their tech. And there's always this joke, Brant and I make it on Vent Tech Podcast that CES, the most popular thing that gets covered the most is the thing right outside the front, right inside the first door. Right? <laughs> like you walk in the door, whoever gets that booth right there, it gets written about the most. It doesn't matter. And the reason why, like, so for example, last year, I think it was, I don't know, they all blur together, but they had like the smart toilet. They like cleaned itself. <laughs> and everyone's like, why is this getting so much coverage? This is so dumb. And it was because it was like right on the front of the door. So it was interesting enough that people stopped. And so everybody included an article about it, right? Um, but that will be really interesting to see how it democratizes no longer having physical location That's on true. online, right? Like obviously you can still do it like a, Hey, someone can pay to like be the first one shown as like a, on a virtual trade show or like uh, maybe pay to get meetings. But it will be very interesting to see too, because like, I'm just imagining how this is going to be also awesomely scalable for some of these tech companies, these smaller tech companies, because before they weren't able to send out a big tech force of people to talk to. But now if you can, if CES can turn it into maybe like a month long engagement or, you know, that's build what I hope they do to websites. Like, yeah, be very, very cool. The digital marketing aspect is just fascinating to me. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my hope is that they stretch it out. Uh, and they don't, because I think that like the opportunity for, things to get lost in a virtual environment where it's all shotgunned out at once, uh, I think that you're going to get a real diminished value. But if you could be the star of the day and there are 10 days, uh, I think presenting sponsors and, and sponsors at the level of, you know, your, your, your Samsungs and your Apples and things like that have the opportunity to uh, own a day. Uh, and I don't think they want to compete head to head uh, in in a democratized way, uh, because like I can tell you, like when I was in charge of, you know, uh, albeit not not significant money, you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, sponsorship dollars, but significant because, you know, smaller organization for me, what I wanted was exclusivity and prominence. You know, like I, those are the things that I tried to jockey to get. Uh, so even if I if, like say if I was at a, a a bridal show when I was exhibiting. Uh, I wanted to be able to be that, you know, right as you come in. I wanted to have the uh, two-story, uh, you know, booth. booth. Yeah, <laughs> with DJs on top and rigging and fly, you know, f- uh, flown stuff. But like, I wanted to, you know, go that loud. And then in other smaller groups, uh, if I had the the dollars, I wanted to, you know, crowd out my competition. You know, if I could, I wanted to, uh, you know, limit the amount of people or who or what. Uh, who would come in uh, the door. And it depends on how much money I spent. You know, I, I didn't, if I didn't spend that much money, I know I wouldn't get that. But there were some shows where uh, in the local scheme of things, we had a, a significant enough investment in those shows. Like I know there was a bar mitzvah showcase that the, I was in charge of, you know, 15 years ago, as far as the marketing aspects of it. And um, our, you know, our deal was that nobody in our category could be there besides us. And we would pay that price. You know, what's that price? And we'd pay it. And I think that like when it comes to virtual, it's, it's harder to do that. Uh, however, if you stretch it out and you instead say like you're the star of the day, um, that seems palatable and doable, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then we can theme the day around that. And, uh, you know, like there is a design way to, to make you look like a star. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm very fascinated with the idea of uh, how you control um, 
the uh, investment that you've put into the marketplace as the marketplace leader. Um, and uh, when there's a significant annual buzz around your event that someone else could just put up a virtual tent next door uh, and there's no control over it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many. And think Definitely. about this, like, all right, like what if I took all the money I would spend normally as a. Uh, sponsor and then i dump it into uh ppc yeah Yeah, and like buy keywords associated with your show that's why planners got to be careful man like they they they, like i told very early on through this entire thing i said guys you gotta start learning digital marketing right away because otherwise your job's gonna get replaced by a digital marketer instead because like yeah like if they were spending what like samsung probably like you've seen their crazy or like dude berlin Efa Berlin for Samsung uh, as an, or an LG, like to give you an example of like what Mesa Berlin, like it, it's like a city uh, that uh, that whole, I don't know if you if you've been there. Uh, I've, only, I've only been uh, the Frankfurt one. Okay, uh, it's like but a city. They're, they're, yeah, their convention centers are freaking great. It, they're fairgrounds. They're called fairgrounds, yeah. and they're yeah. just ab- enormous. But like they get buildings. They don't get like square footage or you know booth size. They get a whole giant building that would be comparable to a mid-market convention center that would be there like that would be samsung like they're they spend hundreds of millions of dollars like it it is it's a significant thing i think it's been interesting too to watch like so like i've been so i'm obviously like really into cameras because i love making video content so like for example there's been like the canon r5 announcement and the sony a7s3 announcement that just happened this last week and i've been kind of just watching a lot of these video like videos since we've gone virtual and like it's crazy. It used to be they had a press event. They they flew out all the influencers video. Now they're like, hey, we're going to create a pre-recorded live stream. It's obviously pre-recorded. Um, and they're like, hey, we're going to pump it up. And it's funny because literally as soon as the live stream starts, the product page is up. All the images are going up and stuff. People still grab from the live stream. But like it's very interesting to see how product launches have totally changed. And I think that I think CES 2021 is going to prove to be very, very interesting I'm sure they're feeling the hurt like big time, like in terms of like lost revenue opportunities and things like that. But the, I think that I think you bring up a good point too. that in the, they will come in 2022. If we have a vaccine and everything like that, they'll come back. They'll be just as strong. And it is such a brand recognition name that it'll be fine. Um, the marketplace. If you're in that marketplace, you don't want to make an enemy of CES. Uh, you know, so if they put some pressure and they get to those people and they and they and they look at the relationships and they look at the long term, like these are not organizations that think along the lines of, well, we'll we'll burn a, a significant bridge for a year. That's not how they think. Right. Like these are institutions that are meant to last forever. You know, so uh, I think that in if with one year of this, I think that like the depending on how CES plays their cards, um, and, and how much that they put pressure on organizations to, you know, play ball. I think that people will fall in line to a degree. I think that there is enough small players that probably do think small, uh, that are maybe even have scrunched budgets based on the industries that they're in that may, uh, decide to do their own little thing or whatever. And there could be, you know, a, a volume of these small ones that it is a significant hit. I think the big players will probably do it the democratic way and probably or not democratic way, but they do it in the way that is for the relationship and the long term. And, you know, like they'll have a conversation with CES and they'll they'll basically say we, you know, we're spending a lot of money, but give us value. We understand the, you know, the reality of things, you know, give us value over three years, four years, whatever it is, but give us value. Mm-hmm. Um 
and figure out a way to make, you know, to make us whole as best you can. And I think that like, that's where I like the idea of stretching the event out and, you know, giving people more attention because at the end of the day, a CMO is like, make me whole, you know, make my, the money that I'm not a charity, you know, I am in a relationship, but ultimately I have to, you know, I, I have a chair uh, or a board that I have to, uh, you know, appease and and, and stockholders. Uh, so I have to be able to say that I spent this money and I got this kind of return. Uh, and uh, I don't know, but I, I am I am really fascinated to see from this from the design and strategy point. What do they do in order to keep people there uh, and keep the attention on what that show does, as opposed to the idea of all these little tents uh, next door? Yeah, or like all the YouTube videos of product release that are going out yeah. somewhere else and yeah, everything like that. Yeah. And I think that there's obviously the larger conversation too of like what does this mean for Q1 2020, 2021, yep. start 2021. Uh, um, what the events aren't going to happen well, in the US. I thought we were near 2030 already. It's been a decade already. Um, Feels but, like it. Um, um, we're going to probably – I think we're going to have to create like some sort of sound by – um, that like it's gonna be like, and this week on when are events coming back is the in like some news update for us. But yeah, I think there's gonna be very very interesting to kind of see what comes from it as well. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't know. I, I I want events back. I really do. But I, I will never ever be part of anything that contributes willfully to hurting other people. It's not why I got into this uh, industry. I got into this industry to make, you know, positive behavioral changes to, um, you know, to do good, uh, to bring people together. Right. And if we can't do that in a way that is uh, at least beats the, the bare minimum of health standards of not making people sick, um, then, you know, you got to do what you got to do. That said, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I've recently turned uh, a corner on uh, virtual events and, and just have got to the point where I'm like actually really excited about them, um, where before um, the people I've worked with are just kind of in a place where they had to do it and they were moving too fast and they just weren't investing in strategy. And now I'm having these conversations around strategy. Mm-hmm. And I creativity to me is often defined by limitations. And um, I think that face to face hasn't really understood its limitations before um, because it's been, you know, just the thing that's always been. Uh, So like we don't really see them as much and we're virtual. We we kind of understand the limitations a little bit more so because we're we're kind of taking things from one area and putting them to another. I really like the the challenge associated with changing people's behaviors uh, in uh, without engaging people's senses. You know, these are not experiential events uh, mm-hmm. and but they're still events and um, they're still uh, impactful. They're still powerful and they're not less than they're different. Uh, ex- but the exper- the experiential uh, and sensory element of it is. Uh, you know, diminished, but there's other things that are better. And that's what I'm having fun discovering. I couldn't agree anymore. Yeah. Should wrap this one up with a nice little bow and send it off to 2021. Yeah. 2021. Uh, we'll see. We'll see the Q. We'll have an episode well, about the Q2 one, whatever the, it is. Yeah. Big. Whatever the Q2 announcement will be. That's it's pessimistic, be next, but that's the, yeah, I mean, 
at the same time too, like like let's be real, not necessarily pessimistic, but let's be potential realist as well. I'm but, real, uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, my we, bet. We, pro- we promise also here at Event Brew that we're trying really hard not to do announcements where we just talk about events canceling. Like we, that was very early on. We decided we're like we did a couple like, hey, this event canceled. This is canceled. And we're like, hey, we could literally spend every week talking about the next event that got canceled. This but, is a whole new year, though. You know, like yeah. this is this is the first one where I'm like. Okay, anyone who, you know, like I remember the polling that Event Manager Blog did this summer where it was like, when do people think events are coming back? And like this, so many of them were like uh, early Q3, you know, uh, and then between Q3 and Q4 this year, that was like like 80% of the answers. And it turns out to me, it looks like those, you know, those 80% were totally the wrong people to ask. <laughs> dun dun dun! All right, well, Nick, thank you so much for uh, joining me to talk a little bit about CES. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a great and, event. Uh, definitely, definitely, and thank you everyone for listening as well. You guys know what to do. We'd love to hear from you guys. What do you guys think? Maybe um, the next uh, is this a big deal for Q1 2021? Do you think that, or this is just because it's the first week of the year? Let us know uh, on social hashtag event brew or email us event brew at helloendless.com. Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from you and can't wait to hear from you as well. Um, and yeah, as always, you know, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and we'll see you next time on event brew. Thanks again for listening to event brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.